Father, thank you for this day and for this time together, your children, to come before you and to grow closer to you, grow in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you, Lord, for multiplying grace into our lives and to all of those who hear this message today. Help them to protect the seed of this word, to allow it to take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 13. Paul says, in him, that's Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you Heard the word of truth. You believed. And you were sealed. What did you believe? When you were saved? Did you believe a prophecy? Or did you believe the news? In other words, it was something that was presented to you as fact. You know, the news is not about something that may happen. The news is what has taken place. Some, something that's already a fact. You know why it was so easy to believe for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins? Because it was presented to you. As a fact, as something that had already taken place. All you had to do was believe and receive. Right? If not, it would have been much harder for you to believe. If you would just believe, then God is going to send his son. And he's going to live a a perfect life. And he's going to die on the cross for your sins. How much harder would that be to believe for? To live for? That would be prophecy, right? And it doesn't have the same weight as a fact, as something that's already transpired. If you had to believe for it, you would have you would have started looking at those Ten Commandments on the wall. And then you would get discouraged, which is what it was designed to do anyway. When you see God's standard. Or the devil would just convict you and lie to you and deceive you and and talk you out of believing. Who are you to think that you could hope for a relationship with God? Look at everything you've done, right? He would do that. He would talk you out of it. 
this is what I'm talking about is the key to receiving everything that God has provided for us through the atonement. We have to see it as news, as something that's already transpired, as something that's already a fact. Hebrews 10.12 says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in, in heaven, doesn't it? That's news. That's, I mean, it's not new news, but it's a fact. It's not prophecy. It's not he's going to when he's done. No, he is done. He's already finished. That's a fact. That's the news. That's the good news. He had already accomplished everything on our behalf that he intended to. And he sat down and handed over to us the the power and authority in the church. 1 Peter 2.24 says that you were healed. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. That's a fact. It's not something... He's not going to take any more stripes for us. When we see him again, he's not going to be a a suffering savior. He's going to be a conquering king. Glory to his name. But it's a fact that healing for our bodies has already been established as part of our inheritance as children of God. We need to see that as good news, just like the good news of our forgiveness. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. All abiding fruit of the Spirit. All the joy and peace that we'll ever need or seek after is already in our born-again spirit. What did we say last week, Annette? Full-blown and full-grown. It's a done deal. That's the news. That's the good news. And we need to see it that way. If we haven't already, if you haven't already, I'd encourage you to start believing that whatever you need is already yours in Christ. Just like you did when you believed for your salvation. If you'll start doing that, I guarantee you, you're going to experience the difference that believing the gospel can truly make. I can't get over that, that, that movie I told you I saw a couple of weeks ago, Ivanhoe, old, old movie. And that court jester said, they were talking about Jews and they didn't want to be with the infidels. And he said, show me a Jew that isn't a Christian and I'll show you a Christian that isn't a Christian. Had a big impact on me. Because <laughs> I think it's true. Unfortunately. Everything that we need. Right there in Ephesians where we were. Right up here at the. The top of the. Right after. His opening remarks. He says blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us. In Christ with every spiritual blessing. Done deal. Already done. He says the same thing in opening up Peter over here. 
Second Peter. His divine power, verse 3 of the opening chapter of Second Peter, His divine power has granted, has granted to us all things that pertain to life, this life, and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His great and precious promises. So that through the promises, through them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. Look in Mark chapter 11. Go down to 24th verse. Jesus had just cursed the fig tree. And they were amazed. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it. Now that's, the world does not understand that. They don't have the ability to understand that because it's a spiritual truth. It's one of those spiritual laws that we've been talking about this whole year and will continue. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. If you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, it's really hard to understand that scripture. All these spiritual truths, all these things that have been done, all these things that have been given to us are in our born-again spirit. The same place we have the very mind of Christ and all the full-blown and full-grown fruit of the Spirit as abiding fruit in our lives. We sh- I have these things, and if I believe it, I shall have them. Because as I draw on them by faith, I bring them out into this natural realm to this soulish realm, my mind and will and emotions and this natural body where I can utilize and be benefited by them now in the sweet now and now. We don't have to wait. Amen. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. These things come by revelation. Like I said, you, you were talking about being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit, there's a deer. Being led by the Spirit is simply being walking in agreement with the truth of the Word of God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And the sooner we agree with Him, the better. The Holy Spirit's going to remind us of everything He said. He's going to lead us and guide us. And if we'll be still, we will begin to know that He is God. What's that saying? Knowing, revelation, always follows stillness in His presence. In His presence, there is joy beyond all measure. Weren't we just singing that? He says, seek me and find me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. There is something special 
about having special times with God. If it seems like a a hard thing, then maybe it's just religion. But when you really press into that relationship that he craves with you, you begin to enjoy that solitude and peace in his presence. Couple with that praying in the spirit and you will begin to see things light up, open up, light bulbs go on for you and wonderful things begin to happen all around you. It's just the way it is. It kicks everything into high gear. It's important that we do understand these things. That's why I'm laboring on these points. The fact that it's already accomplished. Everything that we need from the Lord for this life, for godliness, already accomplished. Beloved, it's my wish that you be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. There's a direct correlation between that relationship with the Lord and the the understanding or the revelation of the truths that have already been provided. All the spiritual laws that he has in place are for our benefit. And he really wants you to know them. He wants you to participate, to understand, and to really take hold of this life. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. It's the enemy that's out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy. It's been his same game for ever and he's not going to change that but just you know just because we go through the storms of life doesn't mean they have to get inside of us jesus was asleep in the back of that boat in that raging storm because he had already said let's go over to the other side and that word contained the power to do that very thing all the provision to get them there there was nothing to worry about so what we always say, the, 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 the ship that sinks is because of the water that gets inside, not because of the water that's raging all around it. Don't let it get inside. Peace I give to you, John 14, 27. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's our part. We can do that because peace and joy... Or abiding fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. What I want to show you. Look over in Luke chapter 10. Is one of the things that he has given us. Now that we have an understanding that he has given us. And everything he's given us he's already done. It's already on account. It's already been settled. Luke 10 19. Behold, Jesus speaking, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Just because your name is written in heaven means a lot more than we can even fathom. We can't even imagine, he says, the the wonderful things that God has in store for those that loved him and are called according to his purpose. 
But let's take advantage of what we do have here. <coughs> and now, and recognize that we have authority given to us by Jesus over all the power of the devil. <coughs> That's news. <laughs> That's a fact. That's good news. Because he hasn't just lied down and stopped lying to people, has he? He hasn't stopped trying to steal, kill, or destroy. And listen, Satan is more powerful than you. <laughs> Hello. He's stronger physically. But we have authority that has been given to us by Jesus that gives us control over him. This is important. You remember in, in Acts chapter 19? Acts chapter 19. Let me read this little story to you. Start at the 11th verse. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Verse 12. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. <clears throat> these, are, these are guys who were Jews. They went around making their living from, from, from doing things uh, in, in ways that they shouldn't have. That they, they, they weren't believers in Jesus Christ, okay? They just saw what Paul was doing, and they wanted that same power, and so they just used the same words. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Man looks on the outer appearance. God looks on the heart. You know, have you ever known someone that said the prayer of salvation, but you really just didn't believe them? <laughs> there are a lot. There's a lot of, that's why they call it uh, uh, jailhouse uh, repentance. You know, they just want to get out of trouble. They just want that problem to go away. Some of them are real. Don't get me wrong. Great things happen. But nevertheless, these men weren't real believers. 13, then some of the, okay, 14. And so here's evil spirit saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. In other words, they didn't know him personally. They were just talking about the Jesus that was the friend of Paul, in other words, right? <laughs> by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And so verse 14, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. <laughs> but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, <coughs> mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus. <coughs> so there were seven of these guys who thought they'd be like Paul, and they were trying to, and probably the, the family of this man had called them to come and perform this service, right? Cast this demon out of this guy. He must have been a real mess. But the demon in that man <coughs> rose up and beat the heck out of all seven of them and left them bloody and naked. They ran out of there. The devil 
Have you ever heard of supernatural strength coming over somebody who was under the influence of a, a demon? It's true. So Satan in, in, in the natural, he, he's stronger. He's stronger than you. He's stronger than me. But authority is better than power. In a world that teaches us that everything is about physical beauty and strength, you know, you're going to have, you're going to be confident when you're stronger than anybody else, you know, you're tougher than everybody else in the room, then you can kind of push your weight around or whatever. That's not true. We all had to relearn some things when we come to the Lord. I know I had to learn how to, I had to forget everything I thought I knew about power and warfare. And Jesus had to teach me how to use a sword, his sword, the word of God, instead of all the things that I was accustomed to. And it's hard. You have to, you have to relearn. You have to die to the flesh and learn to live by the spirit, after the spirit. And it's a beautiful thing once you begin to uh, have real experiences with him. And the, and the Lord develops a, tra- a track record in your life. And you see how loving and faithful he is and how faith really works. And it's a good thing. So Satan is more powerful than us, but this authority that Jesus has given us is greater. Even though, you know, just they tell a story about a guy who you know, just dresses up in a police uniform and he walks out in the middle of a busy intersection and just starts directing traffic. Well, they all start, they all stop. They all do what he says. Not because those buses or cars couldn't just run him over as flat as a board. They could. It's because of the authority that uniform represents. They know that if, uh, if they were to run over the cop, then there's, there's more power behind him than what they see right there is represented more will show up with more force and more guns and and all the authority that they need and so because of that they don't want any part of it and so they are obedient to that well it's the same with us when we use our authority in the name of jesus as born again children of god with the same rights and privileges as the natural born child, Jesus Christ himself, then we, we have authority. And Satan recognizes that authority because there's power behind that authority that he's already had to deal with once at the cross. And he don't want no part of it anymore. So everyone that works for him, they take heed at the name of Jesus. Believe it or don't. If you believe it, you'll receive it. If you doubt, you'll do without. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Looking, well, since we're in Acts, quickly took over the third chapter. Talking about. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple to start in first verse at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. 
But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. Now watch what Peter did wisely. And when Peter saw this, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Miracles don't happen because of some special gift that someone has. All that gift does is it aids the recipient's faith. Have you ever been in the presence of a uh, a traveling evangelist or a, someone who's really known for healing and things like that. There's just something in their gift that really inspires or triggers your faith. And that's what brings on the miracle. It's not their gift. It's your faith. If you have, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. It's faith in the name of Jesus that produces miracles. That's it. All you need is Jesus and faith in what he can do. And you have everything that anybody else has regarding Jesus. I want to show you this one last thing. In Luke chapter 17. And I'm telling you. Lord, just just open our hearts and minds. Help us to receive this and grow in this. Luke chapter 17. Familiar passage of scripture. You may have never seen it this way. I'm asking the Lord to let you see today. You know, he's hidden treasures all throughout this book. Aren't you just reading sometime and you go, oh. And it's funny because it's the same thing you read a thousand times. Its book is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Luke 17, and I'm going to see here, start reading at the, the fifth verse. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> I think this is something that we all want to say to the Lord a lot of times, if we're honest. 
you know, he had just talked to them about forgiveness. <laughs> he, he told them to go out and heal the sick and raise the dead and open blind eyes. They, they said, okay. He told them, you have to forgive as many times as, uh, you know, 777 a day. Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> forgiveness is a big draw on our faith because it's not natural to forgive someone for some terrible wrong, you know. But people don't understand forgiveness. They think it's acceptance, and it's not. It's not trust either. Those things have to be earned. And uh, But we just have a God who's bigger and smarter and stronger than us, and we trust Him with those things. And it frees us to walk in victory in this life, amen, instead of a prison cell that we've erected of our own making. Nevertheless, we're not talking about that right now. I guess we just did. So go forgive everybody quickly and often. But the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea and it would obey you. We don't need more faith. When we, it's just like the chow line, like we always like the, the example I always use when you're going through the serving line, if you're in the military, he's got a, a scoop, a server, and he's given each one the measure of faith. Same, same, same. We've been talking about faith for several weeks. We talked about determined faith. We talked about expectant faith. We talked about strong faith and little faith. It's like a muscle. We have to exercise these things to make them stronger but they're already there you know if we want them to be strong in the natural in our soulish realm we have to practice those things we have to they get strong with use just like a muscle but look look at what jesus said because i want to show you something different today because the lord was oh i'll tell you in a minute jesus said well Will any of you, will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather, will you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterward you'll eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did what he was commanded? So you also, when you've done All that you were commanded say we're unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. These disciples didn't see their faith work harder because they had not demanded more from their faith. We have to view our faith as a slave, as a servant. You got to be very politically correct these days. They don't want to even hear that word. But it was something very common in Jesus' days and he was using it as an example. Faith is something that God has given us To participate and to benefit from every spiritual law, every 
part of the atonement that Jesus has accomplished. You know, we talk about the balance, living in the balance of grace and faith, like sodium chloride. Two, two chemicals that are poisonous on their own in, in, in enough quantity, but combined together in the right amounts, NaCl2, common table salt, something we can't live without. The same with grace and faith. Grace is God's part. Everything that we will ever need or has already been provided 2,000 years ago through the atonement of Jesus Christ. He's not going to do any more. It's already done. It's already on account for you. And it's already the answers to all the promises in this book for you in Christ are yes and amen. Everything is on deposit for you in an undepletable account. Make all the withdrawals you ever want. <clears throat> you'll never deplete the account. But you'll never make a withdrawal unless you incorporate this faith that God has given us to participate. Faith is, faith is the tractor beam that pulls in, reaches out, and is the hand that reaches out and, and, and takes everything that's been provided by grace. Faith is our positive response to what God has done by grace. But if we don't use it, we're not going to get what we're believing for. And what God was showing me is that, and what he's showing you today is that, because we were talking about strong faith and weak faith and how you have to exercise your faith to make it stronger so you can see greater results. And this is true, but even if you don't, you already have enough faith to accomplish anything that God has promised in his word for you. The problem is, just like in our culture today, if we were to have servants today, you know what we do? We tell our servants, what, what can I do to help you? Here, go sit down. Let me serve you. Let me, oh, here, take two weeks off. You worked yesterday. <laughs> and if we didn't do it just like that, we'd be sued. But listen, that's not what God wants for us. With the things that he's given us. Without faith it's impossible to please God. And we call to a life of faith. And I don't think. Matter of fact. I, I very seldom see anyone. Standing in faith. Believing for the things that God has provided by grace. When they say they are. They're really just wishing. And. Not and hoping in a worldly fashion and not in a Christian fashion. Because godly hope, Christian hope, is a confident expectation of good from God. Worldly hope is, oh, I hope so. You can hear the, the despair and the doubt in the, in the comment. That's not hope. That's just wishing. <clears throat> We're so much more. Christians are, are suffering from a terrible identity crisis. They look just like the world. And unfortunately, they're beginning to agree with the world on so many things. To the detriment of the church and of, of their own salvation. 
But if we will put our faith to work and don't let it rest until it has accomplished all that we have sent it to do, it will be done. I've heard stories. I, I can't tell you how many stories, and you believe this or not, but because it, it's not in the Word, but of people who have gone to heaven and seen things. And they talk about being shown things like angels taking body parts to people and all sorts of answers to prayers. And they'll get halfway there, three quarters of the way there, and the people will stop believing for it. And they'll go back. You know? Oh, well, I guess God's not going to answer that prayer. Well, nope. He already did answer it. But now you just undid it. I really believe there's something to that. Once we, once we set our mind on something, once we find the promise that pertains to our need, and we believe that Jesus has already provided these things, we believe the good news, that it's fact, that it's already done, it's already on account, and the answer is yes and amen. And I'm praying and I'm believing for that. We see that He did it for someone else. He's no respecter of persons. We know that. If He did it for one, He'll do it for me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm going to stand and believe what He has said. I know whom I have believed. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. And I'm going to stand and believe and I'm going to wait and I'm going to say it. I'm not going to I'm not going to allow anyone to speak against it. I will live and not die. I will proclaim the works of the Lord. No weapon formed against me will prosper. And every tongue rising up against me I shall condemn. For this is the inheritance of the children of God. I'm not going to let anyone say anything different than what I'm believing for. If they do, I'm gonna, it's going to sound rude. But I'm not going to let it stand. In the name of Jesus. Those disciples didn't see their faith work harder because they hadn't demanded that it work harder. If they had, they would have. We don't need more faith. All we need is what Jesus has already given us. And he's given us authority in his name. And it will achieve whatever we send it out to do. Whatever we demand of it. But we have to really believe. Our world doesn't understand the power of faith. And sadly, neither do most Christians. We know our faith works. We know that we are called to a life of faith. But I think... We incorrectly believe that we need more faith or that our needs are larger than our faith. And the fact is, we don't need more faith. We just need to put our faith to work. Don't let it rest until it gets the job done. And we're going to be blessed to find out what it can do. I'm going to challenge 
everybody that hears this message to put these truths into practice. To see it as the good news, as part of the truth that's been established on your behalf by God through the atonement, just like the forgiveness of your sins. Healing for your bodies is real. Prosperity for this life is real. Peace, love, and joy in the midst of every storm of life are very real. And we just need to reach out and claim it and know whom we have believed. Invoke the name of Jesus because you're not like the sons of Sceva. You don't have to say the Jesus that Paul talks about The Jesus that came and saved you. The Jesus that was there for you through every trial and storm of your life. The Jesus that you've come to know and love and you know loves you. Father, thank you for this news. This good news about our salvation and all the things that are included. Lord, this is just... Scratching the surface. Creating us a passionate desire to seek you. And find you when we seek you with our whole hearts Lord. And to know the things that you have for us. To understand the spiritual laws that you have in place. To benefit us. Not to harm us. Help us to believe that all of the promises you've provided through your word are yes and amen and we just need to release our faith and make it go and do the work that you have empowered it to do so that we walk in great grace in these times lord help us lord to be healed in our bodies and empowered in our lives and minds To have great revelation of your love for us and to prosper in every way. To be helped and to help others, Lord, in this way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.